Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The word revelation is the Greek word apocalypse. And it literally means an unveiling or an uncovering, a presentation of something that was hidden. It kind of has the idea of this master painter who just kind of finished his painting, and it's a beautiful painting, but he's not ready to present it yet. And so he's covered it up. And then as the people gather together, then he removes the veil that had the painting covered. It's the unveiling. It's an appearing or unveiling of Jesus Christ and his final victory over Satan and sin and the world system. Now, one of the misnomers that I hear people say a lot, they refer to the book of Revelation and they say revelations. Are you guys going to study revelations with an S? It's not multiple revelations. It is singular. It is the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's one revelation. So be careful as you talk about the book of Revelation. It's one revelation, singular. It's a single revelation or unveiling or presentation of one person, Jesus Christ. Now let me just say to you right out the gate, if you're one of those people who enjoy prophecy, I know there are a lot of people here that enjoy prophecy. It's been five or six years, and people have asked me, when are you going to teach the book of Revelation? And so many people enjoy prophecy, and that is good. But this book is not written to enlighten you in the area of prophecy. That is not why the book is written, to enlighten you in the area of prophecy. That is the wrong reason to study this book. If you approach this book or the book of Revelation with that heart and that desire, you will find yourself frustrated. You will find yourself struggling to come up with some scriptures to support your position, and you'll be twisting the scriptures to prove your point. And many people do that. You don't study the book of Revelation to enlighten you in prophecy. This book is written that you might write this down, encounter Jesus personally. That is why it is written. Not that you can get into prophecy. You can understand the deep and the hidden things of God. No, it's the wrong reason to study. This book is intended to give you a deeper understanding of his glory 
and greatness. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ to cause you to have a greater intimacy with the Lord Jesus personally. That is the singular one reason why this book is written. Is it filled with prophecy? Yes. Is it filled with the deep things of God? Yes. Not unknowable things of God, but the deep things of God? Yes. But it is not written for that end or for that person. That you might know Jesus, that is why it is written. Now here's the scene. It's approximately A.D. 95 or 96. The first century church was under extreme, severe, and heavy persecution. And because of the persecution, these Christians needed a revelation of Jesus Christ. They needed to know that Jesus was going to come and deliver them and reign and rule on the earth, on this earth that was causing them so much pain and so much heartache and extreme persecution to their families. Now, it was the summer of A.D. 68. Caesar Nero committed suicide, and several years later, the Roman emperor Titus Flavius Domitian came to the throne. The historians say that Caesar Nero was an insane devil, but Domitian was much more dangerous because he was a sane devil. This guy was unbelievable. Domitian was as cold-blooded a murderer as you would ever meet in the pages of history. He demanded to be worshipped as God, and everyone who spoke to him had to address him as our Lord and God, Domitian. When Christians refused to worship him, he had them thrown in a lion's den, burned at the stake, wrapped in animal skins, and fed to the dogs. He would dip them in hot wax, take them to his imperial garden. And these are your brothers and sisters. Stay with me. These are your family members. And he would take these Christians dipped in wax to his imperial garden, strategically plant them throughout his imperial garden, and light them on fire. And say, you said you were the light of the world, then be the light of the world. Awful. This guy was incredibly evil. He would crucify mothers and wrap and drape their babies around their necks. I mean, this guy was sick. He wiped out millions of our brothers and sisters. Now, Domitian is the emperor. He's demanding to be worshipped as God. And the Christians are refusing. And so Domitian decides to go after the leaders of the church. Now, remember, John is the last living apostle. He's 100 years old. He's an old guy. He's been traveling around, preaching the gospel. People are coming out, hearing him. John is very famous. He is a leader in the church. And Domitian, he sends out his henchmen to find John, and they bring him to a kangaroo court, and they sentence him to death. They tried to kill John. You know the story. They tried to kill him by boiling him in oil. And when he wouldn't die, God thing, God thing. They had to do something with him. So he was banished 
to the little island of Patmos, which is 50 miles away from the city of Ephesus. It's 10 miles long and five miles wide. This is an island where people go to do hard labor. They would endure chains and little to no clothing, no vegetation on this island, very little food. This was a rocky, barren, seemingly God-forsaken island where people were sent to die. It was while John was exiled to the island of Patmos that he received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Interesting. While exiled, God spoke. Isn't that true, I think? It's been true in my life. When I felt rocky, barren, exiled, if you will, alone, persecuted, that God spoke. It's in those times that God speaks. Listen, maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're feeling, Rodney, man, I'm dry. It's awful. I am so dry. I feel so barren. I I feel so isolated. Well, then listen for the voice of the Lord. Because like John, the Lord will give you a revelation of himself. Listen. Don't whine and complain and call your friends. For prayer, of course. Listen. God wants to speak. And maybe you should listen. And I found that to be true even in my own life. God reveals himself in those times And he makes himself known in a fresh way. Well, John survived. Domitian dies. And the next emperor to the throne freed John. John comes back with this amazing revelation of Jesus Christ. And given the situation, as I said, and the circumstances that the Christians were going through and the things that they were enduring, the church needed to hear this revelation desperately that Jesus is coming. And this revelation that God gave to him to show his servants, notice in verse 1, of the things which must shortly take place. God the Father gave the contents of the book to his son, Jesus Christ, and the son gave it to his angels to give to John the things that must shortly take place. Shortly take place. Now, shortly take place doesn't refer to short in time. It does not. In the Greek language, the word shortly literally means quickly or suddenly coming to pass indicating rapidity of execution after the beginning takes place. It means with speed, swiftness, quickness. The idea is not that the event will occur soon, but when it does occur, get this, it will be sudden. The events will start to increase in RPMs. It gets revved up. And then bam, 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 tighter and tighter, Closer and closer. Things just start to happen slowly. And then another sign. And then another sign. And then another. And all of a sudden, another. And another. And another. And another. Rapidity of execution. The things that shortly must take place. And it's these things which he sent and signified. Now, that's an interesting word signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Now, the word signified, you could say, 
signified. You could say signified. It means to show by a sign or a code. A code? Yeah. A code. The book of Revelation is written in sign and code. Why? For three basic reasons. And they are pretty basic. Number one, it's written in sign or code to provide protection. Protection. Remember, the Christians are being persecuted. And if the enemy got their hands on the revelation, they wouldn't understand it. And thus, there would be no incriminating evidence. They wouldn't have a clue as to what it was talking about because they didn't understand the sign or the code. The book is filled with signs or codes. And in order to properly understand the book, it is very important that you understand the first 65 books of the Bible. And particularly, get this, the Old Testament. That is why we study the whole Bible. One, because we believe in the whole Bible, not a Bible full of holes. Amen. I don't know about you. And because in order to properly understand the scriptures, you need to know the whole Bible. And so these guys, they would have needed to know the whole Bible and especially the 39 books of the Old Testament. The book of Revelation contains more than, get this, 500 allusions to the Old Testament. Of the 404 verses in Revelation, 278 of them refer to the Old Testament. So those who knew the Old Testament and the scriptures, they would understand it. And those who didn't, well, it would provide protection for the Christians because they didn't understand it. Secondly, it's written in signing code to convey information. Convey information. Because languages change with time. You don't believe me? Take out your 1611 King James Version of the Bible, look up the word vanity, and it means empty. It means futile. Today, words change because the word vanity to us, it doesn't mean empty or futile. It means conceited. It means you think you all that. It means you think you're cute. Vanity. So words change over time. And John uses pictures or signs to convey information because signs, pictures, and codes don't change like languages do. Thirdly, John uses signs because they arouse emotions, and they really do. There's a tremendous power in symbolic language. For example, it's one thing to say the world political leader is coming. It's another thing to say, The beast is coming. I don't know about you, but I go, ooh, ooh, the beast. It's one thing to say the commercial system. It's another thing to say Babylon, the mother of all harlots, the whore. You see, it's a bit more powerful and vivid and arousing of the emotions. It's one thing to say the Christian. It's another thing to say, the bride of Christ. You see, it arouses emotions. So it's written in sign and code because it is meant to provide protection, convey information, and arouse emotions. And that's verse 1. Verse (laughs) 2. 
it's going to be a long day. And John, who bore witness, I I won't ask. In verse 2, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads, circle that, those who hear, circle that, the words of this prophecy and keep, circle that, those things which are written in it for the time is near. Notice that John is on the island, as I said. He is given this awesome revelation of Jesus. And John says, I bear witness that the things that I saw are true. When he, what he saw, he made signs or pictures of. I suppose for John, the book of Revelation was like watching cable TV from heaven. And he wrote down the things that he saw and the things that he heard. And he bears witness of those things that they are true. It came from heaven. And John wrote what he saw and what he heard. But notice in verse 3, notice this. This is the only book in the Bible, just as a side note. This is the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing for simply reading it, hearing it, and keeping it. The only book in the Bible. In other words, if you just sit down and read it, you will receive a blessing. Now, raise your hand if you want to be blessed. If you don't want to be blessed, see me. You need counseling. (laughs) We all want to be blessed, of course. So read the book of Revelation if you want to be blessed. Because the Bible says there's a blessing promised to you. I thank God that John didn't say you get a blessing for reading it, hearing it, and understanding it. The prophecies in this book. I'm glad he didn't say that because there's much of it we speculate and don't understand, but we can be blessed by reading, hearing what we do understand. Amen? So read it. And that's why I believe that Satan gets people all stirred up about the book of Revelation. I really believe that. He doesn't want you to get blessed. See, Satan never has a good day. Did you know that? He doesn't wake up in the morning and think, I hope I have a good day today. He doesn't want to have a good day. And he doesn't want you to have a good day. And he doesn't want you to have a good life. And that's why he gets you all, ooh, book of Revelation, spooky, spooky. Man, don't read it, ooh. See, he doesn't want you to read it. He wants you to think it's spooky. He wants you to keep away from it because you won't get a blessing if you don't read it. Someone once said, The devil has turned countless thousands away from this portion of God's word. He doesn't want anyone to read the book that tells of his being cast out of heaven, nor is he anxious for us to read of the ultimate triumph of his number one enemy, Jesus Christ. And I think that's so true. So John says you will be blessed if you read it. Now, the word read it literally means to read out loud. In other words, this book was circulated that it might be read out loud in the churches. It's good to read the scriptures out loud. When I have my devotion time, I read it out loud, partly because I want to stay awake. And so I, I mean, it's real practical. I just want to stay awake. So I read it out loud so I can hear me. And I can keep getting it in my heart and get it in my spirit. So it's good. And you'll be blessed if you hear it and keep those things that are written in the book. Now, in verses 4 through 8, John begins the salutation. Let's read that together. Verses 4 through 8, John 
to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. I love that. He loved me, and he washed me, us, from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Notice not in the clouds, with clouds. And every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So the salutation. This letter comes to us, John says, by way of Asia or modern-day Turkey. And note John is writing to the seven churches of Asia. Now, in biblical numerology... Seven is the number of completeness. And as you study this book, you will see the number seven often. You can't read this book and miss the number seven. There are seven spirits that are before the throne, seven vials that are poured out, seven trumpet judgments, seven stars, seven lampstands, seven seals. We have the seven churches in chapters two and three. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And the seven churches represent seven epics in church history or a panoramic view of church history. From the apostolic time, Ephesus, to the apostate church of the last days, Laodicea. John gives us seven churches to paint the picture of the completed church. Now only the number seven is significant in Revelation, but it is also significant in the entire Bible. You know, there are seven days in a week. God rested on the seventh day. Slaves were set free at the end of seven years. In Joshua, they marched around the walls of Jericho how many times? Seven. It's a no-brainer. I gave you the answer. <laughs> and what happened? The walls came a-tumbling down. I like that. They came a-tumbling down. Anyways. So John is writing the seven churches in Asia. And he says grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Now this is a description of God the Father. It speaks of his eternal nature. It has the idea of a timeless being. It's connected with the same, with the name Yahweh in Exodus chapter 2, verse 14. We don't have time to look at it. But Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And God said, I am that I am. He is the Lord God of eternity. He is, John says. He rules the present. He was. He rules the past. And he who is to come, he rules the future. In other words, God rules. 
So t-shirts and bumper stickers. Girls rule. Guys rule. Heavy metal rules. No. God rules. Amen? He really does. He is present. He was past. And he is to come. The future. And John says, grace and peace from the seven spirits who are before the throne. Now, again, seven is the number of completeness. This is a reference to the sevenfold completed work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and in Jesus Christ. The seven spirits that are before the throne. Now, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.